You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the geek's watch. For the geeks and all the geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geeks Watch. This week we are still talking about Electric Dreams, and uh, you know what, John? I am really happy with this episode. It's it, so it's for me at least. Yeah, if you're really into paranoia, this one really hits the spot. Uh, I mean, I think you are. So <laughs> there, there's that. This one hits close to home. Yeah. <laughs> close to home, huh? So uh, yeah, that was it. Was it's a See, to me, uh, uh, we'll get into it. Uh, before we do, though, let's uh, let's talk about a little bit of geek news and uh, where we are. Uh, we have a few stories we want to talk about. So what's the first thing you want to talk about? First thing uh, I'm really excited about, potentially, is the Watchmen TV series over at HBO. After uh, the pilot was screened um, from Lindelof's um, script, it looks like HBO went ahead and ordered a full series. Yeah, you know what I'm really excited for about with this series is that it is a, uh, it's not readapting the Watchmen comic book that we've already seen and then we saw in a movie, which to me I really enjoyed. I hear a lot of people talk about how Zack Snyder adapted it into a movie and it's very surface and it's like I don't know. To me, the the comic book I think gets a little too preachy, but that's just me. And then I also don't care for the squid at the end of the comic book, so. Uh, I think from a cinematic standpoint, this was the best version of the movie, of the the story, that you could have done cinematically. Same. And I like the changes that they made. So did I. So this TV show is is more of a sequel, uh, in 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 sorts. It's going to be taking place after the events of Watchmen. Uh, so it's in the Watchmen world, and I think we see that in the characters, or at least the actors that we see being cast with like Don Johnson and uh, Regina King. Uh, so I think you also had, you also had a, a, you have a list right there of the people that were cast in the movie, right? Or show. Uh, yeah, so we have quite a few notable people uh, and then a whole bunch of people that I don't recognize right away. So the biggest stars are Jeremy Irons, Regina King, Don Johnson, Tim Blake Nelson, and Louis Gossett Jr., who I only can remember from like Iron Aces or whatever. That Iron Eagle. Iron Eagles. Uh, like parts one through eight. There's a there's one movie that I really enjoyed with him called Digstown, where he plays a uh, older boxer and he has to do like ten boxers in this small town called Digstown, and in 24 hours he has to fight them all and beat them. And it's got James Woods in it and Oliver Platt, and I think it's a really good movie. But, uh, yeah, I think he was uh, – I don't want to say that. I, mean, I want to say that he was probably in Roots, but I'm not sure <laughs> if that's true or not. Wasn't every African-American in I Roots? Mean, <laughs> maybe. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, Louis Costa Jr., that's awesome. Um, oh, 
You know what? He was also, I think he was in The Principal with Jim Belushi. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Man. Uh, but Tim Blake Nelson, that's awesome. You know, he played the the leader in The Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton. Uh, uh, Regina King. I, I love her just about everything I've seen her in. Um, Jeremy Irons, I mean, most recently is Alfred in the DCEU movies. Which, by the way, I think it would only make sense for... Actually, I'm thinking of completely the wrong person. Never mind. Who were you thinking of? <laughs> I was just thinking, like, wouldn't Jeremy Irons make a really good um, replacement for uh, J. Jonah Jameson? But I was actually thinking of uh, Gary Oldman. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think Gary Oldman would have made a good J. Jonah Jameson. And the only reason for that is because uh, while we've had many firsts in the Marvel Universe and in the DC Universe... We still haven't had two actors that swapped roles so perfectly. So Ugh. with uh, J.K. Simmons moving over to play the new Commissioner, Commissioner Gordon, Gordon, I just figured, you know what, it would just make poetic justice to have Gary Oldman take the role. And I could so totally see him playing it like the character he does in The Professional. <sighs> yes. You know, slamming his fist, and he's like, I want pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I love Gary Oldman, and he can do any role for me i mean he's, he's he really he's can. a chameleon so yeah. <laughs> uh i i'm all down for it uh castle rock uh, i have not started it yet on hulu it is it is on uh, right now but uh, they have been renewed for a season two at hulu which uh i'm excited for i think we might end up talking about that show here uh, yeah i think I'm, uh, I'm getting really interested in it now yeah so I mean, knowing that they're they're already greenlit for a season two makes it even that more exciting. So I I can't wait till we start it. Maybe maybe once we're done with Electric Dreams. Yeah, I'd be down. Uh, Jeremy Slater, the director, or he's the the creator, the creator of the Exorcist TV show, uh, and soon to be Umbrella Academy on net on Netflix. He is uh, adapting Stephen King's The Tommyknockers for a live-action film. Now, I remember the miniseries that came out, what, early 90s? Yeah. I, see, I feel like after it came out, like they started doing a whole bunch of Stephen King's stuff as miniseries on, on TV. Yes. Like the Stand. The Stand. Tommyknockers. Tommyknockers. Langoliers. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, we're having that resurgence again now, but in film version and Netflix, I guess, for Stephen King. Uh, what do you know about the Tommyknockers? I don't remember. I never watched it, but I do remember hearing about it. So I guess kind of spoiling the story a bit from what I remember, because I didn't read it, but I watched the series. And um, so the town starts to get really creative. It's a really small town in Maine, as most of these places. Yeah, usually know. his stories take place in Maine. Yeah. And um, so these people start inventing crazy things and they start to get corrupted. Like they start forming uh, physical deformities on their faces and um, you can tell it's almost like they're addicted to something. Um, And it all turns out to be an influence of a spaceship that's buried underneath the town. Uh, Somehow the, the power supply of this ship is like leaking and it's basically giving people like super intelligence but also making them kind of crazy. Um, so it has it's basically that it's just it's really bizarre like that's like the simplest way i can put it it has to do with aliens i always like to like in his stories i don't know maybe this maybe i'm 
I'm remembering it wrong, but isn't it usually like a kid that comes up with the name for whatever it is that's the essential thing, and that becomes the title of the the, the thing, like the Angleers and the. It, the, you're essentially right. Yeah, I think it's a kid that says the Tommy Knockers, the Tommy Knockers. Right. And yeah. Yeah. There's like, it's just like a completely throwaway line, basically. But that's what became kind of like Dreamcatcher with. Right. It's the, like that has nothing to do with the movie, but that's just the line that they have. And and, uh, and it. I mean, the kids call it it instead of yeah. calling it Pennywise. So. Or whatever his clown name from outer space is. Yeah. Is, so yeah, I I don't know. I, I I guess would you are you interested in that movie? Yeah, I I think we're in the now the technology has caught up and the interest is there to garner big budgets for Stephen King. That's always been his downfall is that he's got big ideas, but not really the budget to execute them properly. So now with the advent of CGI and all these other things, production values, it's, it, they could be worthwhile. You know, like I would love to see a big budget version of The Stand. Like that would be so awesome. Mm-hmm. But then you have movies like The Tower or The Dark Tower. Dark Tower, yeah. Which they completely squandered and then that kind of brings it back down a little <laughs> bit. So that King Bur- bubble's going to burst at some point. But then again, he has so many IP, like it 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 can go just about anywhere. So it's uh I I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like y- you can throw so many out there and you know, even if it's like half of the things that are that they get made into a live action whatever or adaptation is is going to be good then that's still a whole lot of good it's the old stephen king shotgun spread that's right something will hit uh what was your next story uh neil blomkamp who is in talks to direct a robocop direct sequel completely disregarding the uh the other two sequels and the tv series i guess right and I guess without mentioning it, the cartoon as well. Oh, um, or the video game? Or the video game. Dude, that video game was awesome. <laughs> when he says, now, drop it. <laughs> the video game? Or is it, is, wasn't there also the... There was the Terminator versus uh, Robocop video game, too. That was a Super Nintendo game, yeah. The arcade game was the good one. Oh, okay. All the other ones were crappy. There was even, I want to say in the late 90s or early 2000s, towards the end of one of the like 32-bit console eras they did a robocop game that was first person and it was first person yes it was awful i mean <laughs> it made really good use of like the robovision like it, it copied that really well but okay. just everything else was just garbage it mm. was so bad uh well yeah i mean are you are, are you excited about because uh, last i heard was that they were going to be making uh, the this sequel that bomb clam's doing was supposed to be a sequel to the joel kinnanen uh robocop but now it sounds more like he's gonna be making a sequel to the original robocop yeah that's what it's sounding like and i mean honestly that's that's how they could guarantee my butt in the seat is if uh, they do that and um during a twitter conversation somebody asked neil blomkamp hey who would you want to have play robocop of course he said peter weller i mean i don't see why there you couldn't because it's just the chin <laughs> Uh, I mean, if you want to do the close-ups, the rest—I mean, that's all makeup. So he's—it's gonna look—he's gonna look however you want. But like uh, the, you know, the person inside is gonna be a stunt double and stuff like that. So or you, CGI. I don't you know see what it. I would love to see? I would love to see a version because I mean, RoboCop is a cyborg. He's like mostly machine, but he's still primarily uh, organic nervous system and face. Uh-huh. So I would like there to be a reference to the original RoboCop. This could still be a direct sequel. But a, a reference to the original RoboCop, where they find like the Robo suit in disrepair, 
and then there's just like a skull like the bottom oh, chin wow. of a skull hanging out from the bottom of the helmet and but because his brain at this point was interlinked with the computer system he was uh his mind is still preserved, like, digitally, uh-huh. but just his organic parts are dead. So they have to make him completely robotic, and then that could open up a whole another world of, like, you know, upgrades for him, like, where he's just com- – he's no longer human. So you can even say, like, well, he's completely lost all of his humanity now, and he's just a machine purely, but he still has the memories, so – it could be kind of like dealing with that kind of thing. We're going to be getting into the, the conversation then of is he still a human or if he's we just We very a, well could, we, yes. We, we, we would definitely be getting into that conversation. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I, I think that they would obviously come up with a way to... Um, Actually, to, now that I think about it, isn't that what they did with Cyborg in the Injustice 2 game? Like, didn't he come back, but he was like dead? No. Uh, and it's just funny that you bring this up because I'm currently playing the game uh, okay. but he uh they introduced a character called grid which was in the what version of was that the uh i forget what the name of that that crossover was it was a justice league thing when the the crime syndicate of america came over from their earth three and grid was a program that expects uh, essentially just expunged the human parts of uh victor stone from cyborg so the 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 human parts were just kind of laying there and then <laughs> they had to create a new body for him so that he could live or a new cyborg body for him uh but grid was still the the version that was inside the the original cyborg suit so he got himself a new suit essentially it's it's it was their way of giving him a, a costume redesign and making it part of the story. I just imagine like two hermit crabs fighting over a shell. <laughs> so yeah, Grid just uh, shows up in Injustice 2, uh, ex- essentially. Like instead of expunging himself out, he just creates a new body for himself using uh, the, I guess, spare parts that are around. But um, I don't know. I just, I always assumed that there was a, a way that OCP just like was able to make it so that the, the last organic cells that he had so that face the hand uh the the nervous system the brain was just you know not decaying anymore it's preserved somehow yeah that's what i assumed yeah i mean and they never really go into it or explain it so who knows I'm, i'm interested though like i'd love to see something like that um so yeah, I mean, I'm all for it. I love Neil Blomkamp. Uh, I, I think the parts of uh, District Nine when you had the human uh, space hybrid with the and then inside that exosuit was was pretty cool. So I, I expect more stuff like that. And now we'll see. District Nine was got to be almost ten years ago now, right? Yeah. So well. further CGI. I mean, he was able to do that amazing job back then probably on do a even super better low budget too and on a super low budget because even that youtube video that you showed me all those years back like was still great and that was an even lower budget yeah that was just like him self-financing that thing yeah uh all right uncharted movie script is finished shooting should begin soon um did you have you ever played uncharted no neither have i the only the closest i've been is i watched the cinematic movie that's like on youtube you know they all the cutscenes yeah just the cutscenes that get the story i watched the first one and the second one i believe uh i i mean i that's the only reason i did that is because i'm just really interested in that story like i want a you know indiana jones kind of movie uh i love those movies so this is gonna be uh 
Tom Holland, Tom Holland as right? Nathan Drake. Yeah. Now is this this series or was it some other one where they were supposedly trying to see if they can get uh, um, Nathan Fillion? Yes. Well, Nathan Fillion just people have just always wanted him as Nathan Drake, and then he a few weeks ago he made that he self financed that fan film quote-unquote fan film i I don't know if he self-financed it that's not true someone could have financed it but they asked him to be in it and i did you watch it i thought it was great uh i have not seen it no i i can i understand why the studio probably doesn't go with nathan fillion because he's i'm sorry nathan but he's on the older side he's what 47 so uh you know building a franchise off of him off of him might be they they might not want to do that well, maybe he could play like uh, Tom Holland's mentor or something. I mean, he maybe he can play like the older version of Tom Holland, you know, like a memory or something. Ah. But then that when you <laughs> when you do things like that, it also like it kind of takes away the stakes because you know the main character can't die. Well, I mean, I guess the main character never really dies, you know. You never. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it could be like the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Yeah, it started it off that. with Nathan Fillion and then saying, "Let me tell you a story." <laughs> so. I, I, I think, I mean, I, I imagine that if you get Tom Holland, because he's actually, what, in his early 20s, but he's playing a 16-year-old as Spider-Man, it's, it's if they just dressed him up as a, as an older adult, then I wouldn't see him as a kid so much, but it's just hard not to see him as a kid now because of Spider-Man. I just wish he didn't look like, in every single photograph I see him in, he always looks like he's smuggling a frog in his mouth. <laughs> Just, Maybe that's just the way that he has to talk to do an American accent. <laughs> he has to purse his lips a certain way. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, would you? Are you all in for it? Even though you haven't played Uncharted, I mean, it has a huge following, and I have young nephews that love those kinds of games. So I'll take their word for it that you know it's interesting and worthwhile. So I'd be down. I'd be interested in watching uh, whatever it is, and that would probably be my first introduction to it. So I wouldn't have the video games to ruin it for me if they weren't true to the source material like all the other video game movies. I could just enjoy it as a movie and see how it goes from there. There you go. Okay, now speaking of older actors getting into franchises, the rumor, or I don't know if you want to say report, but the rumor that's been going around is that Tom Cruise is the frontrunner for Green Lantern in the, in uh, the being written by jo- Jeff John's uh, Green Lantern Corps movie right now. And the you know, with the idea that everybody says that's going to be happening in that script is that it's going to be uh, like an older Hal Jordan uh, kind of doing a training day with uh, a, John, a younger John Stewart. And uh, I mean, obviously, Tom Cruise would be playing that uh, Hal Jordan character. Now, <laughs> what everybody is saying or what's being reported is that uh, his one condition for playing Hal Jordan is that how Jordan doesn't die at the end of the movie. And the what people are saying is that that, that, that script called for how Jordan to die at the end. So... He could just become Parallax, maybe. Maybe. That's, a, that's not a bad idea, I mean, to go into that storyline. How do you feel about, was it 57-year-old Tom Cruise playing Hal Jordan? I mean, as like a Kingdom Come Hal Jordan? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I didn't even think about that, but <laughs> as something like that, yes, as as like modern day Hell Jordan. I mean, I know Hell Jordan's got like the like salt and pepper temples kind of in in some depictions. Some depictions, yeah, especially um, around the parallax time. Yeah, um, but 
I don't know. Yeah, he is just kind of old. But then again, he is also very physically fit for a 57-year-old as well. Um, is that old? He's 57. Yep, he's 57. Holy crap, man. I mean, and this is. I mean, this is also Tom Cruise, who at what 56 is jumping out of buildings, doing halo jumps, you know, uh, yeah, whatever he, can- he wants for Mission Impossible Fallout. I mean, I was listening to a podcast a couple weeks ago where they were talking about Mission Impossible Fallout. Do you do you under do you know? Like kind of what the, the their process for writing those new Mission Impossible movies now is is like Tom Cruise comes up and says I really want to do this stunt and then they kind of start building out from there <laughs> of like how the the movie is going to get to said stunt so they kind of build they start inward and build out for those movies it's like just let's, well, I guess we hope that the the story works out which don't get me wrong I thought Fallout was an amazing movie so it's working for them I. I don't know. I just, you know, if it's going to be a training day type story, then I just hope there's a scene where Hal Jordan says, Gorilla Grotting got shit on me. <laughs> so wouldn't it be Gorilla City doesn't have shit on me? No, I guess so. Yeah. But then Gorilla Grot is more of a Flash, you know, fucking villain. Well, that's going to set up the crossovers. Maybe you could say Oa, because that's where, you know, <laughs> the central power battery is and stuff. Uh, but I don't, I, I'm okay with, with uh, Tom Cruise. Okay, let me put it this way. He's not my first choice to play Hal Jordan, but if he's going to be Hal Jordan, I'm all for it. That's, I mean, I, I still think that he has the star power. I still think he can bring in a crowd. I think it's a interesting move. I mean, look at Robert Downey Jr. as, as Iron Man. People love that, and he was older when he got that role. Yeah, and ironically, I believe that uh, Tom Cruise was offered the role of Iron Man. Well, he was attached to be Iron Man for a very long time. So it is interesting that uh, uh, he eventually gave it up and it went to Robert Downey Jr. And then, yep, there you go. Arguably someone much more controversial at the time. and Definitely it, more controversial. It, it really, like, panned out. It very much panned out. <laughs> <laughs> what was your next story? Uh, my next story is uh, more like speculation or rumor, I guess. But um, So the, the Dark Universe over at Universal is essentially dead right now because the mummy did not do very well. That's right. The mummy did not. It just kind of imploded. All of the other movies have been put on hold or are officially dead, which I was kind of hoping to see a uh, Bride of Frankenstein with Angelina Jolie, mm-hmm. even if it didn't make any sense to have that before you have a Frankenstein movie. Well, they had Javier Bardem already down to play Frankenstein, if I believe, if I remember, Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, I think as of right now, it's just everything's completely on hold. Oh, yeah, no, definitely everything's on hold. But I remember they did that giant, or was it uh, Entertainment Weekly, like, photo spread? Or, cover, yeah, or, with all the different people. Yeah, so we had uh, Johnny Depp Johnny as the Depp Invisible, as the Invisible Man. Man. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember if they had a Wolfman on there yet or not. Was Yeah, I don't remember. I, I know that they weren't going to continue the same storyline as um, Benicio Del Toro's Wolfman. No. But, um, well, anyway, so since that property is pretty much dead in the water at this time, uh, somebody tweeted over to Jason Blum from Blumhouse Pictures, uh, hey, would you be willing to take over the Dark Universe? Hashtag Ask Blum. <sighs> to which he responded, yes, quadruple exclamation marks. Yeah, I think that was like during a, uh, you know, Jason Blum's like uh, ask me anything kind of Twitter moment or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, I know, I think Blumhouse has a pretty good relationship with Universal because I know they have like a uh, Blumhouse haunted house during the Universal 
Halloween nights or whatever they do over there uh, during the the month of October or whatever. Oh, yeah. So, um, I, I I wouldn't see why not. He knows how to make movies that people enjoy, scary movies that people enjoy for a very low budget. I mean, you're obviously probably not going to be getting the bigger stars like you would when they were trying to do it, but uh, sure, why not? <laughs> as long as we we get a, 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 I don't know, I don't know. Do I want a remake of Monster Squad? I know I want a sequel to Monster Squad. Sequel to Monster Squad would be awesome. That's that's where you go. You let Jason Blum make uh, a sequel to Monster Squad, which then the Monster Squad goes around having to deal with all the <laughs> all the, the dark, new, universe. dark universe. Yeah. Ones. Yeah, I'd like to. Basically, they're each like the new Van Helsing's. Yes, of the universe. exactly. I mean, as long as you involve Fred Decker and uh, Shane Black, I'm all for that. All for it. There and, you go. And somewhere along in there, you got to include Wolfman Nards. <laughs> I mean, you can't not have that. So, uh, uh, you, I, 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 I'm getting all flustered just thinking about a sequel to, to Monster Squad. Yeah. Uh, all right. Guy Ritchie's Aladdin. Uh, which is, I believe, finishing up uh, filming here pretty soon. They just got Justin Paul and Benj Pasek to, I guess, the the songwriters for La La Land, a few of the songs from La La Land. I'm not sure. But they are going to be doing some new songs for Aladdin, which they're adding a a few um, verses, new verses to Arabian Nights. And then they're also going to be giving Jasmine uh, her own solo song, which I guess in the original anime disney animated version they didn't she didn't have any solo songs like she had duets with with aladdin but never anything by herself yeah well obviously they're gonna definitely do some additions and some slight changes to the overall structure of the story i'm excited by that i'm not a well i like aladdin i like the songs in aladdin um still not sure how i feel about will smith being the genie but I guess we'll just have to wait till that gets revealed. And yeah, I I just kind of imagine like uh, f- what was his name, uh, Jambi or something from <laughs> Pee Wee's Playhouse. Really, Jambi? I I think of Jambi. Yeah, <laughs> this is like just just a ridiculous blue face like floating in an empty box. I like really just, wonder if they're gonna make him blue. And I I mean, what are they gonna do? Is it? I really wonder what 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 his g- genie is gonna be like. Look. I would say of the Disney animated movies around that time, Aladdin was probably my favorite. Um, I love Guy Ritchie movies, so to me, this is a perfect pairing. Is this movie going to be any good? I have no clue. But it's, it's uh, going to be colorful and interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting, and uh, I, I mean, I like, I like Will Smith, so we'll see what happens. I wonder if he'll have a a specific rap song to go along with it like his other blockbuster movies i mean he hasn't been doing that i mean there wasn't a suicide squad rap song wasn't there i don't think so i mean yeah. i don't think he's really done that since like i'm really surprised in black there wasn't a rap song where he says we're the suicide squad and then just put a beat behind it. all right i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you to leave here pretty <laughs> soon uh, uh but speaking of uh Tom Holland went to his Instagram again to uh, he, I think he was he's 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 out there like repping for this Brothers Trust charity and he was asking stuff but he had some video in the background or he had some video going and in the background you see his stunt double taking a massive hit of water 
uh, in the scene. You, you and I think you're supposed to assume that it's actually being filmed at the moment. Uh, but a lot of people on the internet are going crazy, as the internet does, and they're speculating that maybe Tom Hol- or Spider-Man or Peter Parker is going to be going up against Hydra-Man in Far From Home. I honestly just think it's a splash. It's it's some kind of splash from water. Maybe something action is happening, but I don't think it's going to be Hydra-Man. That's a really big stretch to say that that's what's happening there. But, I mean, yeah. That Hydra-Man is attacking or that what yeah. I said? No, the Hydra-Man or Hydro-Man, whatever. Yeah, Hydro-Man. That's just kind of like, really? okay sure why not yeah now a a lot of people were talking about oh you know if this is hydra man and he's he's once again leaking things i'm like i think they're probably on top of it now that he i would assume that he you know gets everything okayed before he puts it up on online or whatever but i don't know what would happen if you like compressed hydra man and sandman together uh, you know i remember them doing that in the the animated series in the 90s so like yeah, that and, sounds familiar it's yeah. like a, yeah you, he did like a mud thing and the two of them kind of canceled each other out so uh yeah uh, did you have another story uh last one that i have again this is really more of just an interesting article that was being uh thrown out so paul walker's brothers uh, are throwing it out there just like a hey like just so you know well, we're available <laughs> just so you know uh yeah they're trying to pitch the idea of bringing um paul walker's character brian o'connor back uh maybe for a cameo in one of the future two uh, fast and furious movies i mean i think technically there's still supposed to be two more left to do uh to get you to to 10 but but i know that they've been knocked off course they wanted to get the 10th one out to be at the 20 year anniversary of the first one so 2001 but uh, i think because of the hobbs and shaw movie which was the spinoff and the hate that vin diesel and the rock have for each other at this point that uh it's which kind i feel of like up. it's entirely on vin diesel's side i feel like the same but that's because <laughs> everybody really loves the rock like he's just so charismatic and and like lovable that people are just like oh vin diesel you're being a dick Kind of I have no idea, though. I mean... Yeah. I mean, The Rock could be a jerk behind the scenes and hurt, hurt Vin Diesel's feelings. <laughs> Definitely could be. So, uh, uh, I, I, I think this is a bad move. It, it, it just looks bad on the Paul Walker's brother's behalf to, to say this and want this to get done. I don't know. How do you feel about it? I think it's uh, a ploy. Yeah. So, it sounds a little desperate and morbid, to, yeah, be, exactly. to say I the mean, least. It's, it's like... Yeah, of course they want it done because they're the ones who stepped in and played Paul Walker in those the the scenes they needed to fill in for I mean, I would be okay with this if they donated that salary to like his daughter or something. I would assume that's where it would go, but yeah. maybe but then again, maybe they want it for themselves. It's like it's like every time I see movies where uh Chris Farley's brothers are are in there like as some kind of cameo or something like that, I'm like uh, that's you're not Chris Farley. You're trying to be Chris Farley. I was not aware that that was a thing. He has two brothers. There's one that's super skinny and tall, and there's one that's uh, that's like a, used to be. I would say that he was a little bit shorter than what Chris was, but he was chubby too. So like I see him a lot, and he's like always trying to do things that Chris would have done in in, the, in his movies. I didn't even realize he had an actor that or brother or anything like that. Well, I think they kind of became actor brothers after he passed. So they just try to kind of 
ride on his dead coattails. Exactly. Reminds me of the Gallagher brothers, the the ones that would smash the watermelons. <laughs> you know what? For the longest time, I didn't realize that there was that, like he had passed it on to another a brother or something. I just assumed it was always the same yeah, guy. Yeah, I thought it was the same guy until <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, one suit the other? What? <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I mean, more power to them if they can get into the movies. Whatever. Uh, let's. So we talked about Ultra Carbon here on this show. Joel Kinnanen. We talked about him earlier in the RoboCop. Him, Sarah Jones, and Michael Dornan are going to star in Ron Moore. Ron Moore, the creator of the the new Battlestar Galactica, uh-huh. uh, a new space series that he's doing for Apple TV. Uh, there's no real details of what the show is going to be about or you know what it's going to entail, but. Uh, it's going to be a new show on what Apple TV is going to be trying to do, and uh, they're they're in for it now. I don't have Apple TV. I don't know about you, but if you had access to it, would you watch it? Are you a big? Were you a big Ron Moore fan? Were you a big Battlestar Galactica fan? I never watched an episode. You know, I never really got into the new Battlestar Galactica. I like it in theory. Okay, because it sounds like it has a lot of stuff I like. Plus, I like Trisha Helfer and the other chick. Uh, oh man why am I forgetting her name at the moment but uh, I, I also like them as actresses and, and visually yes. <laughs> uh, uh, Starbuck um, right? yes Starbuck the, the, the yeah. new Starbuck oh, God, why can't I think of her name she was I also know it's like, escaping me right now too the bionic know. woman is the evil bionic woman and she's in all those episodes of the Big Bang Theory as, Ron, or as, as Howard's like uh, vision, his obsession obsessions or yeah yeah, so um, I she like was them. In, she I was like all, the ideas. Speaking of Vin Diesel, she was also in the one oh, yeah, R- she Riddick was movie. In, uh, I think it was just called Riddick. I think it was just called Riddick. Yeah. yeah let me see here. But um, but anyway, the uh, the idea of Joel Kinnaman coming back to sci-fi, I really feel like that's his thing. I like, think that's a good place for him. Yeah, like he, he really just works out with pretty much anything that he does in there. And it just is really oh Katie Sackoff. Katie Sackoff, yeah, I don't know, I don't I know why, yeah, I couldn't remember that. But uh, yeah, so um, the yeah, I I I don't know what it is. I don't have Apple TV. Um, see if I can find some way to watch it when it comes out. <laughs> find somebody that has Apple TV. See yeah. if they let us watch it with them. <laughs> or maybe just bite the bullet and get an Apple TV. I guess, even though I don't really have the need for one. <laughs> I don't have any Apple products, so I don't know if I would do that. But hey, we, we'll find out. We'll see. Yeah, pirating. Uh. No, no, we don't. We don't say anything like that. Anyways, next story. Uh, last story I want to do is, uh, so the director, Tony Kay, uh, I think most famously known for directing his- American History X, which is a movie I enjoy thoroughly. Um, it frightens me a little too much. <laughs> that I that I like it or that no, the, the movie No, just itself. the movie in general. Um, he is planning to have a completely artificial intelligent robot as the lead in his next, in what, I, I guess, a future movie. He just recently directed a uh, indie comedy, romantic comedy called Firstborn, starring Val Kilmer, Tom Berenger, and Denise Richards. He wants to direct the sequel to that, Secondborn, with a artificial intelligence robot. Like, as the lead. What do you make of this? It sounds like it could be like the most horrible idea ever, or just crazy enough to work. That's- I mean, 
It would be like, I guess it would kind of be like uh, Ex Machina, except it wouldn't be an actress playing the robot. It'd be an actual robot. And I, I have to say this. I know that he has been on like talk shows and people see him in real life, but I already think that he is a artificial intelligence Tom Holland. I don't think he's real. When I see him in movies, his face doesn't look real to me. It's like that Uncanny Valley thing where I'm just like, it doesn't look right, but it's so close. And it's like, uh, I don't know. He's he's weird. It's it's weird. It's just too strange. So I don't know. Did you ever watch that Al Pacino movie that came out like came out like in the early two thousand? Simone, yes. Yeah. Which was Simulation One. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of like what's going on here. Except it's gonna look like a full on robot. It's not even gonna try to look human. I don't know if that's it. It doesn't. I think it's supposed to be look like a human. I think it. I think what you're gonna be seeing is like a human looking person. Like literally, hey, we need the best looking whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, I I have to watch it just on the premise alone. Like Ooh. I have to see how this plays out. Yeah, if so. it, if it actually happens, I yeah, I'd, I'd have to watch it just to just to find out. Let's see. According to Deadline, K came up with the idea to use an artificial intelligence robot in the movie after a discussion with one of his movie's producers, Sam Coase. The two men decided that the use of a physical robot over a computer-generated character was preferable going so far as to hope that it might get official recognition from the Screen Actors Guild. I mean, it almost sounds like they're trying to troll. Like, they're just come up with this wild-ass story. But if it happens, that'd be fucking crazy. Yes, it would. And <laughs> I could see someone like Tommy Wiseau's brain explode that, like, he didn't even qualify for something like that. Yeah, that would be that would be insane. Uh, I think we're in end times. <laughs> I mean, if you're an actor in Hollywood and they're talking about bringing in artificial intelligent robots, like, you have to be like, oh, fuck. I mean, right? Well, it's like, there's just too many Me Too's going on. We have to, like, even it out. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I don't really feel like the Me Too is in the actor side. It's, like, more of, like, producers and directors are the ones that are being assholes. So, you, I mean, the idea is that we need a, a artificial intelligence robot to be a director or producer at this point. Basically, I mean, a robot's not going to tell on you if you abuse it, too, so... I guess. I guess that's true, but... Uh, all right. Um, it's programmed to love. But there's also... Disney is, like, developing stunt robots, too. Like, robots to do stunts. Yes. So, when you first mentioned this story to me earlier, I thought that's what you meant. Um, but I didn't realize that the Disney robots are primarily for stunt work. Because they're they're programmed in such a way where like it's now to the point that they can react like real human bodies when they're flailing through the air, which is one of the hardest things when you're you know dropping a dummy from a high distance. Right. It looks like a rag doll, mm-hmm. um, and you know you can only do so much with people. Stunt people die all the time when they do really high jumps. I remember there was kind of a famous one during the filming of um, a, a vampire in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Somebody died from a high jump doing that. And you can just tell that it's not... It's just a dummy. Yeah. and uh, Or wait, I'm sorry. Did I miss what you were saying? No, no. That, like, from certain falls, some stuntmen do die because... Yeah, but, okay. Yeah, yeah. And that right. one was a person that died. Yeah, that's I did misinterpret what you were saying. Yeah. So it was a stuntman that... But that, there's other movies where, yeah, you can totally tell it's a dummy or it's a really bad effect. Uh, there's a famous scene in the end of RoboCop, one of the movies that's like practically flawless, but probably the worst effect is when uh, uh, Ronnie Cox gets shot out the window and it just looks horrible. It looks like stop motion. <laughs> His arms are like a weird proportion. It just doesn't look right. It's really bad. So 
this uh, digital stuntman could be the way of the future where you can put a robot inside a vehicle or a motorcycle somewhere where a person is more dangerously exposed or falling from high distances or one of my favorite examples of that uh, tech demo is they're basically catapulting the robots and they flail in the air like a real person would still kind of keeping themselves in control mm-hmm. but no danger of them dying because they're machines and they can be repaired or rebuilt so i also feel like this is the beginning of westworld <laughs> if uh disney gets their hands on realistic fucking robots and animatronics i already have a fear of animatronics at disney worlds or disneyland so like they're adding in ones that act more human i'm gonna be well, i'm see, gonna be freaked out that would be another thing that disney predicted then that all the animatronics at crusty land or whatever it was called itchy and scratchy land right actually go through the westworld you know treatment and start rebelling that's right uh there was a uh, what was I, I was, oh then you know this also has got to sound terrible for uh, Tom Cruise at this moment because I mean all the things that you were describing as stunts those are all things that he does for those Mission Impossible movies at this point so uh, he would he kind of be out of a job. Would you be like distraught or terribly surprised like one day when it's in the news Tom Cruise died on the set of his new movie filming a ridiculous stunt would I be distraught yes I would be definitely distraught (laughs) would I be surprised no I'd be like well that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know I guess his Thetan counts might have spiked that day and there we go we're talking about Scientology (laughs) Uh, and when Scientology comes up that means it's time to get on with the episode so Electric Dreams episode Seven? Seven. Seven for us, but episode nine, uh, I guess in its original order, safe and sound. Uh, I love the fact that Maura Tierney was in this episode. I have not seen her in a while. I think the last thing I remember seeing her in was Liar Liar or or maybe ER. ER for me. Yeah. That's what I remember. So it was was great to see her again. Um, I think... uh, the, oh, the the gentleman that plays like the her opposition in this episode is the guy who's like the the dick bag in in Ant Man, <laughs> the first one. Yeah, the first one, the one that that like, he played Yellow Jacket. No, he didn't play Yellow Jacket. He plays the the guy that Hank Pym like slams his head into the into the desk when he talks about Janet, like in the flashback ah, part. One of the um, one of the Shield guys. The shield one, guys. He's actually yeah. Hydra. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah okay. So. Uh, he also shows up in, I believe he showed up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. too, like around that same time. So he was kind of crossing. I don't know if he's playing. The, I'm pretty sure he's playing the same character. I, I mean, it would make imagine. sense, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't I don't really recognize. I didn't really recognize any of the other actors. Um, Not a lot of star power in this one, but the story really made up for it. It really did. It really did. So, you know, I, I guess this one is is inspired by the short story entitled Foster Your Dead. Which makes sense. The character's name is Foster Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is... Oh, so essentially we have... The idea is that... I mean, I would assume this is America, right? It looked like America in the map, yeah. And you have cities that are very much walled off cities to, for protection, quote unquote. Uh, and then these people that are like Foster and her mother live in... They live in bubbles or they live outside of bubbles? I think they lived in what they call the bubbles. Yeah, they lived in, in the bubbles, which are essentially more free because they aren't being watched constantly or scanned or, you know, uh, I mean, essentially what this episode's about, I mean, it's not what the episode's about, but what this episode 
throws out there for you is the age old uh how safe are you what what are you willing to give up for your safety kind of thing what freedoms are you willing to give up for for protection was it the jefferson quote those that uh trade is it jefferson i thought it was franklin is it franklin but it's those who trade freedoms for 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 security security deserve neither and we'll we'll lose both and deserve neither something like that like that yeah i'm really chopping it up terribly i mean obviously we're both paraphrasing and don't really know the quote or who said it so (laughs) exactly (laughs) but the idea is there yeah um basically it's like it's better to have freedom with some danger than to give up your freedom and then you're just because you're not really getting i mean in i mean there's lots of there's lots of reading material out there now of the freedoms you're giving up for what you believe to or you perceive to be security and it's all security theater like if someone's going to do something, they're going to get around whatever precautions that are out there. Not saying that you should just give, you should just like give up on security. I mean, I still think that there's uh, you know, a good idea for, or there's good argument for some of the stuff that we do, but yeah, there's sometimes we go a little too far. Yeah. So one of the main themes in this whole episode was propaganda because there was this constant back and forth about whether or not these so-called terrorist attacks that they were reporting were really happening. Right. Uh, and if they were happening, if they weren't essentially false flag operations. And they made a really big point about saying, um, you know, you have to trust in Big Brother, essentially. Right. Um, and this one, they called it Simi or Sims or something like that. It was like some kind of corporation that right. ran security. Yeah. Um, Which, at the, when it comes to the end of the episode, when, you know, they've... You know the corporations have now proved that there are more bigger threats out there, and then they're like, "Oh, well, we're giving, you know, this big contract to the uh, Simi to do." It's like, "Well, there you go, there, there it is." It's like they 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 mass produce a a uh, a product, then they they give you a situation for which that product they they then create a situation for which that product is the answer to. And it's a circle where they're just circle jerking each other. Yeah, and in the conspiracy theory circles, there's a term for that that I can't remember. But basically, yeah, it's like you create the problem for which you are the solution. And therefore, it's just... Which is also the the plot line to Mission Impossible 2, if you remember. (laughs) I know, because that's the one I didn't watch. Okay, fair enough. Uh, But yeah, uh, it's, it's... One of the other aspects of this is... What's that called? It's called gaslighting. I believe, uh, where you take a person, usually female, and you make them believe that they're crazy. Oh, so, yeah, gaslighting. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's and I don't know if you saw this movie, but it was who 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 directed it. I want to say it was uh, uh, Soderbergh. Yeah, Steven Soderbergh who directed it. He did the whole. He shot the whole thing with an iPhone. It's called Unsane. It's about a uh, a lady who uh, has a stalker. And then the stalker gets a hold of like a lot of her personal information. Then she goes to see a doctor at when this guy is not leaving her alone because she needs to talk to somebody, a psychologist and the psychologist. Uh, then he essentially she gets <laughs> she gets put on a uh, 72 hour psychiatric psychiatric hold. So she ends up in a mental institution for no reason like she just thought she was going there to talk to somebody and now she's being held and then the more she tries to leave the place the the more they're like oh well you definitely belong here and then come to find out that the her stalker gets himself a job there and like when she tries to tell people that hey he's the guy that's stalking me and trying to kill me and stuff and no one believes her 
so she's stuck in there with him and like it's just all the little things that keep driving making her look like she's crazy it, which then eventually drives her kind of crazy so it, it, this is i think the same thing happens here where obviously this young girl foster who wants to be feel, wants to feel a part of everybody else in her new school because her mother brings her here to uh be a part of well her mother's there because she is a representative of the people that live in the bubbles and she's trying to you know i don't know what did you get of more mora tierney's character what is it is she trying to do is she trying to explain that hey we aren't terrorists are they trying to reintegrate are they trying to get more supplies or what you know what it is that the bubble people want and what is she representing well from my interpretation of it because one of the things that this show this episode did really really well was establish this fully fleshed out world with the history very much so um yeah there's a lot there to dissect and it kind of sounds like what you're saying that she is some sort of representative um she meant she she has some sort of political power because she mentions in the early um right at the beginning of the episode that she's some kind of uh elected official of some sort and that she has basically a pass to go through the, the checkpoint and she's very rude she's very uh condescending to the the checkpoint staff right and i mean she it, it, that's how the episode starts off because she's pissed off that the guy is trying to scan her but she has essentially what would i would assume is like diplomatic immunity that she's like look i have a pass that says that you're not allowed to scan me because she really doesn't want to be she wants to be what they would consider off the grid i would assume but yeah, she could have came at it in a better way instead she just kind of throws the pass at the guy yeah she's just being kind of kind of a jerk a little bit the daughter's like um mom just like what are you doing it's embarrassing yeah and it's very much teenage girl as we see in movies and tv shows yeah and it seems like there's a real big difference in technology as well like the bubbles are probably a lot more um not technology centric because mm-hmm. uh, you know she doesn't really understand when they come over oh you're supposed to have a little uh tag on you at all times um, what do they call it a, uh the decks the decks yeah and um it's kind of cool technology that we've seen already in a bunch of other shows like Black Mirror. It's mm-hmm. you know it's got the holographic technology. It ties into everything you do and say. Um, it, the, it, it essentially connects you to everything. It uh, the the Foster explains like it's a it's a way for me to to get my uh, to do things in class and it's a way for me to uh, stay up with my classwork or connect to the other students and stuff and. Because she really wants one, because obviously she doesn't have one, it makes it makes her different from everybody else. There's a few other students that that don't have them, and uh, it, it you can't get through security easily without one. They're kind of uh, ostracized a little bit, picked yeah, on. True. So you you also get a big red band like put on your your arm, like to, to indicate that hey, you're not a person with a dex, and you need to be looked at. And you see other kids kind of picking on people with the red band, you know. Uh, to the point where, oh, you're a terrorist or you must be a slut or something like that. Yeah, it's just there's nothing good happens to you if you're a red-hander. No. So, uh, you know, obviously she's brand new to the school and she's still kind of young, so Foster really wants this thing. First thing uh, happens is, uh, you know, some kids pick on her in her class and, and one girl even says, how do we know she's not a terrorist? How do we know she's not here to just blow us all up? She's only been here for three days. Why would we even let her in the school? And so, you know, all that being happen or happening, uh, one of the 
I don't want to say gentleman, one of the male students in the class uh, takes upon himself to be like, oh, well, I can help you get a, get a Dex if you want one. And so her and her naivety goes to him outside of class and says, yeah, I'd love for you to help me get that. And he hacks into her mother's account to use her credits to get a Dex and then immediately assumes that he was going to get some because he helped her out with that and she pushes him away. He's like, I just needed your help. I didn't. I wasn't expecting all this. And of course, that just does not do well for her in social standings. No, yeah. He immediately starts talking uh, all kinds of negative things about her and somebody walks up to her and says, hey, like this can get worse. You might as well just give it up and, you know, do it. And she was like, yeah, well, I guess, you know, you have to adapt and overcome. Yeah, because at this point, she's already gotten her decks, which is immediately dropped to you via drone. And uh, it, it's she sets it up and she then she has problems setting it up because it's it, technology she doesn't understand. So she uses uh, essentially would be help. Like customer service. Customer service, yeah. yeah to to have it set up and she is using something called here gel so it's h-e-a-r i would assume uh you put it behind your ear and then it allows you to hear uh from your decks like customer service or whatever um which apparently is not something everyone has no somebody called her out on it it's like there's no such thing and then they they said you know like what are you talking who are you talking to and she doesn't know any better because it's it's all new technology to her and then the customer service person on the other end, Ethan, says that, oh, it's a brand new thing. We, we You got a newer version of the deck, so that's why most people don't have it. Uh, but this Ethan character is, you know, as the episode goes on, is the one that's kind of in her ear gaslighting her. Uh, making her feel her crazy. Head. Gets in her head, essentially. Uh, but after she gets her deck, she thinks she's going to be part of the, uh, you know, the cool kids or whatever, be more accepted. And that's when she's not. Uh, it's because the kid that tried to help her set or the, the kid that helped her steal from her mom uh, is going around telling people everything. And the other girl, the one that you said, like, Hey, just give it up to him. And you know, things will go back to being okay. Like that's, that's why she, she's, she didn't understand. She's like, Oh, I got, I'm part of the cool kids. I have a Dex. Why, why are people not liking me? And she's like, Oh, we well, got to have sex with, I don't know what that kid's name was. Connor. Covey. 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 Covey or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then she goes and is like, okay, I'm ready to just give myself to you, Kave. But he's like, nah, I'm cool. Like, so things don't go well for him. And she's all upset. And, you know, Ethan, customer service guy, comes to be like, hey, you know, what's wrong? Because even though, like, in their first interaction, he's like, I'm not supposed to tell you my name. And just, I'm supposed to be like, they still kind of hit it off, or at least the, he allows her to believe that. And, then he's like, oh, let me see why it is that Kave goes offline for 15 minutes every day at certain times. And then a bunch of other kids do that in all these different schools. Basically getting in her head that Kave is a uh, terrorist and he's gonna he's got a plot to kill some people. But then also there's the other red band girl that helped out Foster the first day. Uh, like she's like, yeah, Kave's kind of a dick, but you know, just have sex with him and it's okay. Like, like she's even like promoting this idea well even then like the episode does a really good job of peppering in the idea that um you know you have to be constantly afraid that terrorism can come from anywhere and then when they start throwing around the the idea that 
nowadays people might not even know that they're the terrorists i yeah. think that's what the turning point that really started to kind of mess with her because mm-hmm. then she started wondering like oh did my mom bring me here to be some kind of sleeper cell you know they start talking about how mind control and all these other things and she starts wondering if she's just going crazy and um so yeah through a whole series of events um you know uh, ethan convinces her to you know follow uh kave and then follow the girl that was red banded and then convinces her yes and then convinces her that her father was like suspected of terrorism and that her mother uh, that foster's mother um brought her in order to like meet up with him um and all of these things that Ethan is telling her, even though she doesn't know what to believe and doesn't want to believe it, it all kind of lines up because then her mom just appears suddenly. Mm-hmm. Like somehow she knew where only uh, this girl, like Melina, would have known her. Melina, yes. Yeah. So in her mind, she's putting two and two together. Like, oh, maybe this is true. Like, but it's not just in her mind. Like Ethan is literally in her ear trying yes. to connect dots. Like even the whole like her. She she says that her father before he died was hearing voices too and like that's you know definitely playing into the idea and he's like oh we know that your your dad was hearing voices you know this is this is all being a setup for you and stuff like that yeah so already like this was just like really really well done as far as just making you think the character might actually be going crazy and it turns out no she was just being played the whole time the whole time yeah they do this little so eventually she like Ethan tells her that you have to play out a lot of this terrorist thing so that we can catch the rest of the people that are trying to be terrorists uh which at that point you just kind of like oh well yep he's he's lying like this is yeah why would you have to play it out for it to capture the other people but uh she gets tackled to the to the ground as her bag gets thrown away and the, the security takes her away like I, there wasn't even anything in the bag right no she just has like a freak out right at the uh the the security sc- checkpoint right. of the school but they make everybody believe that there was a bomb in the the bag and that uh she then she starts to believe it because she's like yes you know later on you see two months later she's sitting there talking like oh yes my mother is being you know arrested and tried for trying to convince me to be a a terrorist and stuff and uh i you know i'm going through all the healing that i need to go through and uh the the head of simmery simmy or whatever it is it's called that is like also talking with her and stuff at, at a press conference and uh, she starts to vamp <laughs> when the teleprompter is like saying, just say thank you and walk off. And she starts going off on a whole other thing. And she's like, you know, and when, when, you know, th- these is going on and, and, you know, this isn't a good thing. And, you know, and then, so the guy just kind of takes her off. Says, oh, she's so brave. You know, just kind of walk her off. Cause you don't need her anymore. She's, she's a, a picture essentially. Yeah, she's a poster child. Poster child, yeah, that's what I was looking for. And it turns out to be Ethan that walks her off. Yeah, I, I'm surprised she didn't say something about that. But then you you go, they do a rewind of, uh, we finally get to see who Ethan is. It's the assistant to the main guy that we've seen throughout the episode. The man named Odin that is apparently the boss or the opposition. He's the opposition because he's the one that more Tyranny's character was supposed to be having talks with. And uh, she then he he's essentially coaching the guy on what to say, and because they, they they immediately got a hit when uh, Moritani's character's credits got 
flagged for buying a Dex, and it's like, oh, her her daughter Foster is buying is buying a Dex. Uh, we can do something with this. Yeah, keep an eye on it, and then they they start tracking her, and then you see him feeding him information so that they can uh, play out this elaborate trick, which was all entirely to get Moira Tierney's character arrested. Arrested, made look like a terrorist, and then you know the contract goes to the company. They give him the contract. Yeah, so yeah, because so. every student, every child under a certain age is going to have to have a dex now and yeah. it's a it's a law and you know all the schools will have to have certain security implemented and that's also going to be provided by this corporation so a lot of reminiscing of uh, TSA and all these other things yeah very much so which i mean this episode definitely gets you to think a lot and it it's got a lot of great ideas so i i really enjoyed this one and maybe it's because it's a little bit more straightforward than uh steve buscemi's episode oh, yeah. and, i have to say there's uh, no pig people in this one and there's it's it's a little bit more fast paced than um uh, the last episode the the Blade Runner-esque episode, the Richard Madden episode. Yeah, that one was a slow burn. Yeah, so uh, I really enjoyed it, but it at least revitalizes this season or this series for me to, to keep going on because the last two kind of knocked it out of me. Yeah, this one uh, just gives me the gusto to continue. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, anything else you wanted to say about the episode? Uh, yes, the director of this episode. Oh, that's right. Is a man named Alan Taylor. And he's done quite a few other shows that we like, such as uh, Westworld mm-hmm. and um, Game of Thrones. I believe he's done some of the best episode of, episodes of Game of Thrones. And he also directed Thor The Dark World. Wow. And, and Terminator Genesis. And Terminator Genesis. Yeah, so he's done a lot of work. And um, this is uh, his episode on this season of this series. And, I mean, it's one of the best ones we've seen so far, so... Be that, uh, take of that however you will. Uh, exactly. This so. guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> Alan Taylor. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, so if you have any words you'd like to say about this episode or any of the topics we brought up earlier, we'd love to hear from you. I'm on Twitter as at Mitchipedia G-E-R. John's also on Twitter as? I am at Magic Bollocks. The rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram. Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page. And GeekEliteRadio.com is our website. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. But until then, this is, or until next time, this is uh, the Geek's Watch on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.